0: So I've snuck up into my dad's study on a toasty Friday afternoon, but for you, a very good morning to you on what I'm sure is a cold Sunday fun day. And I want to say it is an absolute privilege to be sharing the gospel, the power of the gospel with you today in your homes or in your offices, wherever you're sitting, listening, not to me today, but to the power of the gospel message for this morning title is life lessons in the desert because for me this week i've had one or two up and down moments i've had some good days and i've had some desert days and i don't know if if you can relate to that last week sunday my life i was on a high i watched the worship i watched the service was incredible to see my daughter hitting it out the park for jesus and then her and i took a road trip. In our car, Saki took his family with Catherine. We went on a road trip to 3CR because they had a drive-through for people to come and have a look at their new building that's busy going up. Remember, we took their tent down. We paid for that to come down, and now they're busy building a new building, and you could drive through free cappuccinos and just have a look. It was incredible. I was on a high. Monday morning, bam. I'm on a low. Tough, man. I read a sarcastic newspaper article addressed to Mr. Ramaphosa. We just heard him speak on Sunday evening addressing the nation. Some of my mates are deeply upset about the alcohol ban. And this newspaper article got my attention because it's sarcastically apologizing to Mr. Ramaphosa. And the person who wrote it says, We are sorry, Mr. Ramaphosa. We cannot control ourselves when we are around booze. And I read that one line and I thought, you know what? That person's absolutely absolutely right. Because I can't control myself around booze. That's why I don't drink. And so we've got to ask ourselves the question, friends. Do we control alcohol? Or does alcohol control us? Anyway, I'm going way off topic here. Let me get back to how I was feeling on Monday morning. I'm down. I'm reflecting on our team Zoom meeting and how we've been discussing things and I'm venting with my teammates. I'm just being honest with them. Guys, I'm frustrated. Feels like we as a church and for me in my life, we're just going around in circles. We're wandering around in the desert. Feels like my hands are tied. Feels like I want to do something and take matters into my own hands. Like enough is enough. And, uh, then Pete, one of our teammates, threw his big red Beard looks at me in the Zoom meeting through his camera, and he says, you know, Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. And that's all he says. And he challenged me. got me thinking as to how many days Jesus was in the desert for. And perhaps I felt like God was saying, how many days are you in the desert for, Daryl? Because maybe you're only in the desert for four days, but Jesus was in the desert for 40 and so then I drop my kids off at school and I go and have a quick Seattle coffee and I'm sitting reading my Bible, having my coffee. And right opposite Seattle, there's a pool shop. And the manager of the pool shop just happens to be in your church. His name is Richard. And so Richard walks out the pool shop, walks across to Seattle and through his mask, his blue mask, he's got this massive smile and he says, Hey, Daryl, He says, don't give up, eh? He says, I just want to encourage you. Even if you do the recordings just for me, he says, it's so worth it. And he encourages me right there. Because friends, it's tough, eh? It's tough preaching week after week to my silly little iPhone here. I want to engage with you. I want to connect with you. It's been tough. But from that pool shop, he walks out and he speaks life and he speaks encouragement into me, right there. And I watch him walk back into the pool shop. I watch him engage with his staff. I watch him bring hope and encouragement into each one of them. They're packing stuff onto the shelves, expecting a flat-out day. And not one customer walks in. I mean, it's the middle of lockdown, I think. Middle of winter. Who's going to walk into a pool shop? But there's Richard, a light, pointing his staff to Jesus. Just trusting, living life on a different level. I thought, wow, Richard is probably in one of the most driest desert experiences, possibly one of the most loneliest times of his life. But God is using him as a light to point people around him to Jesus. Incredible. What about us? Maybe you too at times feel like you're in the in in the deserts. You lonely? I think of the youth of yesterday. Hey, you just don't see anybody. Someone said to me that they, as the youth of yesterday, feel like the lockdowns just aged them overnight. What about us? What about the rest of us in church? We're in this desert experience. Business is busy drying up. Resources busy drying up. And the heat of the sand is busy burning our feet. And maybe you feel like the sun is just beating down on your back. You feel like you're all alone. Will we too, friends, will I, and I want to say will you, will we too be able to stand firm like Richard in the pool shop and not be tempted to give up? Someone said to me just this week, are you not tempted to give up and just throw it in? Will we to stand like Richard and not be tempted to throw it in, not be tempted to just sit down and and give up and wither up, but rather shine as a light, as a sign to point people at this time to Jesus? You know, Jesus himself, the rock on which we stand, the rock on which we build our lives, Jesus himself experienced a desert experience. In Matthew chapter 4, we read about it. Jesus was in the desert for 40 days. Pete reminded me of that, and I've been reading this story over and over and over again this week. I've been challenged, let me say, I, reading this, Matthew chapter 4, I've been challenged so much this week. Stand firm, Daryl, as you go through this desert, lonely, dry experience. And when you look at the way that Christ suffered through that, he gave glory to His heavenly Father. In the same way, it's true of our lives, friends. If we can suffer well through these desert, dry, lonely experiences, we're going to give God glory in and through our lives. Jesus Himself said, A servant is not above His master. So, so Jesus goes through this 40-day experience in the desert. What makes us immune of that, friends? If, if Jesus went through that and He's called us to live lives that follow Him, And what makes us immune to desert experiences? Let's see how Jesus went through his desert experience and see what we can learn from it today. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Read with me in your Bibles. It is on the screen. Thanks, Pete. And thanks for that photo there of uh, Richard's pool shop there as well. But very special. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, capital S. Holy Spirit, use, use the word today. Holy Spirit, capital S, speaking to our lives today, each one of us, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit, capital S, into the wilderness, to be tempted there by the devil. Many Christians would argue that when God's people go through a difficult time, ah, no, it's not from God. No. Oh, you must have done something wrong, because why are you going through such a difficult time in your life? Yeah? Yeah. After fasting forty days and forty nights—not just four, Daryl—forty days, forty nights—he was hungry. The devil, the tempter, came to him and said, "If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread." But Jesus told him, "No. It is written. Say it is written. It is written." You know, friends, sometimes we, we think that we will be satisfied because we've got food in our tummies and we're sitting on green grass. And sometimes we think, if I can just earn enough to provide food for my family, if I can just earn enough to have food for my kids on the table, then it'll be okay. I don't think it's wrong to think like that. I think it's okay to think like that. But that, friends, will not satisfy your deepest longing. Jesus said, food for your soul comes from every word that is written. Every word that is written in God's word. And so I challenge us today, friends, to, to keep ourselves spiritually alive as we focus not only on food to eat, which is a necessity. 100% I think of all the families that we are helping it's been incredible families after family after family that we're able to help to provide food for it's been amazing and we're going to carry on doing that that's good but there's more than just food that people need to eat friends there's a spiritual sustenance that comes from god's word stand firm on god's word stand firm on what is written where in the newspapers no on god's word we're never going to make it through suffering, friends. We're never going to do this well. God will never be glorified in our lives if we don't stand firm on God's word, on his grace and his promises. And I get the feeling that in times like this, that where the world is going through a very, very unusual time, very unusual ordeal, that some very lonely desert times that people are going through, that somehow a weak brew, you catch it, my brew? Somehow a weak brew is not going to be good enough for us to come through this on the winning side. These things are not going to sustain us, friends. A, a weak brew of external limbs and emotions and, and personality and, and, and the psycho babble and a and superficial popcorn gospel. No, that's not going to sustain us, friends. People are looking for something that is deep. People are looking for something that is real. We've said that many times. Deep, real. Something that's eternal. Something that has weight to it. Friend of mine was telling me about lockdown and how we too have had some special times, he says, as a family where dads have been able to wash the car, mow the lawn, and moms have got into baking again. He tells me about his wife who's made homemade bread. He says, when he picked up the loaf of bread, it weighed like five kilograms. And he says he picks up the loaf of bread he bought at the shops, half a kg. He says, you know, this homemade bread has got depth to it. It's got weight to it. It's got nutrition to it. I thought, wow, that's exactly like God's word. I want to say, friends, the Bible is a deep, eternal, weighty, and heavy theological base that has been written on purpose, for a purpose, for a time such as this, that you and I face right now. And it's been written to hold us. It's been written to ground us. Freedom Church, let's get into God's Word. Let's allow that to sustain us in our spiritual walk as humans. That's what people look for, friends. That's what people long for. Stand firm on God's Word, because it is Written. I don't just need bread and water to live. I need God's Word to sustain me, to nourish my soul, and to keep me spiritually alive. I spoke to a man on Monday, weeping with me on the phone. He says, my marriage has just been pulled out from underneath. And then two days later, I've got this man on my heart. I send him a message. I say to him, bud, Go to the safe. Open it. Leave the firearm in the safe. Don't touch it. Pull out your marriage certificate. Those documents that are kept, where things have been written that are very important. You've stored them up. Pull out the marriage document that you signed, bud. That I saw you sign on the 16th of December, 2017. Pull that out remind yourself, take a photo of that. Remind yourself what was written over your marriage. That you would be faithful for better, for worse. He says, ah, Daryl, but she wasn't. I said, bud, two wrongs don't make a right. For better, for worse. It has been written over your marriage, bud. Look at that. I want to say husbands, wives, remind yourselves what's been written over your marriage. Young person, what has God's word got for you in your life? What's been written over your life? Young person, study that, understand that. In this somewhat dry, lonely place when the heat is on and the sun is beating on our backs, I think there are three very crucial areas that we need to check and make sure on what our faith is built on and what it should be built on and maybe what it, what it's busy being built on right now number one i want to ask you this question freedom church who is your f- faith being built on right now for your z- for your physical needs what are you building your faith on right now for your physical needs remember last week i was at the wimpy and those little birdies were feeding off the table some breadcrumbs were lying on the table they were busy feeding off of those Remember those birds made me think of Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. It says, therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body or even what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Look at the birdies. This is what Jesus is saying. eh? They don't sow nor reap or store away in barns. Yet your heavenly father feeds those little birdies. And then he makes this point. Are you not much more valuable than they? What's our faith, our faith focused on right now, friends? What's your faith in Daryl? Who are you trusting for your physical needs? Is, is my faith focused on the fact that my heavenly father, who loves me so much more than those little birdies, he will provide for me? Is my faith in him? And is your faith in Him to provide for you. Number one, friends, put your faith in God for your physical needs, not in man. Because if you do, you're going to wither away. Let's carry on reading Matthew chapter 4 to discover our second point today. Pick it up in verse 5. Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city, Jerusalem, and had Him stand on the highest point of the temple, if you are the Son of God. He said, then jump off, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against the stone. This is our point two today, friends. Pride. Jesus. He's the king of kings. He is the one and only son of our heavenly father. And at that moment, he could have allowed that pride to have crept in thinking, you know what? You're right. I'm the man. And I can do this right now. And I can jump off and angels will come and save me. I'm capable of doing anything. I'm invincible. Jesus at that moment could have reacted in pride and thought, I'll jump off because I can. And I can do anything. But he didn't, friends. At that time, he didn't act in pride. We've got to ask ourselves, are we worshiping ourselves because of what we've done? And what we've achieved because we've become so prideful of who we are. Or are we worshipping Jesus? Our king. And you might be saying, Daryl, you don't understand. I've achieved so much. I've worked so hard with my own two hands to achieve what I have. And to build up my business. Okay, who who gave you the God-given talent to do that? You might be sitting there saying, I studied for seven years to get my degree and to qualify as a professional. Okay, who gave you the brain? I want to ask you, young person, to be able to achieve that. Maybe there's some professional sports men and women watching this morning saying, we spend hours and hours and hours training. We deserve all the glory. Okay, who gave you the God-given talent to achieve what you have on the bike, on the field, on the tennis court, in the swimming pool? God-given don't become prideful of what you've done and who you are and what you've achieved because Jesus didn't and if we do become prideful it's only a matter of time where we in this desert experience will wither away and the last point today friends number three Let's read together. Next, the devil took him, took Jesus to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he says, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you, Jesus, if you kneel down and worship me. And Jesus replies, he says, get out of here, Satan. He says, for the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God alone and serve him alone. Then the devil went away and the angels came and took care Of Jesus. You know, friends, life is very short, eh? We don't know when phase one will come to an end for us and when phase two will open up. And and you know, these things that we have around us, the, the possessions that we accumulate, the cars that we drive, the homes that we live in, when phase one ends and we enter into phase two, all of that stuff gets left behind very good friend of ours, a legend, they call him a legend. His life came to an end on Thursday morning as he was talking to his son, busy planning the day for their family business. Just like that phase one ended a man who lived with open hands, a a man who had everything that opens and shuts, picture perfect family, awesome grandkids, had all the cars, Had all the bikes, just like that. His life comes to an end. Absolute legend. Living each day thinking, how can I help somebody today? How can I live with open hands? And as I sat with his family at their home, just hours of him passing on. We spoke about his life. And let me tell you, friends, in the amazing home in Centurion Golf Estate, all the cars parked outside, all the bicycles in the garage, they would have given all of that up. Just like that, to have their dad back with them. Friends, are are the possessions that you have controlling you? Are you putting your faith in your possessions? Are you putting your faith in the power that you have? And if you do that, it's only a matter of time you're going to wither away. Maybe you're saying, Daryl, I'm not doing that. Well, let me ask you this. Are you putting your faith in the government right now? I mean, I think a lot of the world's putting their faith in the presidents and the government. Look at what Sweden's doing. Look at Cape Town. Whew. Friends, we gotta be careful. We gotta submit to authority. The Bible says that even. Daryl, listen, but even if you don't agree, but I wanna say: if we're putting our faith in the medical practitioners and in the governments and in the presidents, and we're not putting our faith in Jesus, the rock, we're gonna wither. Put your faith in Jesus, friends. Let's live with gratitude for what we have. Even if we're in the desert, there's so much to be grateful for. Family, friends, health. Freedom Church, if you feel like you're in the desert right now, where your resources are busy drying up, and the heat of the sand is busy burning your feet, and the sun is beating on your back, and you feel like you're all alone, make a decision today, right there where you are. Make a decision not to wither up. Make a decision today not to become prideful. Make a decision today not to look at your possessions and your power to get you through these difficult times. Make a decision today with me, friends, to stand firm on God's word so that we can come out of this stronger, not in our own strength, but in the strength of Jesus, giving our Heavenly Father glory. shining his light to everyone around us in jesus name amen